0: Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are
1: going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, Matt, so Sean McDermott talked about, he was asked about Matt Milano on Tuesday, and he said it just doesn't look like he's going to come back this year. And this isn't a total surprise, but there was some hope. People were holding out, and he was asked about it. Partly because Matt was there on Sunday, he was at the game yeah. against the Cowboys. First, I've seen him on the field. I think he's the first mm-hmm. he's been on the field. He was not walking with any aids, like as far as crutches or anything like that, no. boots. Um, but he's not going to be able to get back. It looks like you know the rehab and the recovery is just a little bit too long, and that's a shame. You'd love to see that happen. And obviously, he'd be a really big impactful addition to the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. defense as they go on. Now that said, do do we know that for sure though? Because he
0: kind of left some wiggle room there. Like for some wiggle Sin- room
1: for maybe in the postseason, but it, he said all of the information he's received now has indicated that it's most likely Milano will not be back at all this year.
0: Yeah. But what like, room
1: do you think he left?
0: The fact that he said, from the information that I have, if you oh. knew he wasn't going to play, you would just say, listen, guys. He's not going to be able to play this year or you'd say listen guys he's not going to be able to play this season but I mean he was asked multiple questions on it because I think it was fairly vague now the fact that he's I, like I'm not expecting Matt Milano to play but let's just talk in like dream scenarios for the bills w- what if this team goes to an AFC championship what if this team goes to a Super Bowl I, I think the conversation changes because you know what I mean like right now if in your head you're like, yeah he's not going to play this year. But when I was talking about that, I meant the regular season because I didn't know for sure what our outlook was. It's different than Micah Hyde because Micah Hyde, there really weren't these questions being asked about him because I think they were a little bit more firm on their initial prognosis of his injury. And then it just kind of came out of the blue that it was like, oh, Micah Hyde might come back. And then obviously he would have been available for the AFC Championship. They lose the game before. So, yeah, for me, it's just I'm not expecting Matt Milano to play, but I also think there was a little bit of a, kind of escape there if they ultimately <laughs> yeah. end up having him come I back
1: I, I i don't disagree he probably did that here's my guess i don't know this this is my guess just knowing the way they operate and how sean talks my guess is he's probably got information that you know matt probably won't be available until late february early march so mm-hmm. instead of giving a timeline he says you know the information i got probably not could be available to return available to return but you're right if you by him saying that Maybe he's leaving the window open that maybe there's something quicker that happens if they go that deep into the playoffs, right? So he's at least leaving himself an out, but he's also telling you don't expect it. It's most likely not going to happen. So I I don't disagree with the way you interpret that. I would say, though, I've been talking all week on WGR, on the radio side, about the job the the assistant position coaches have done, the the position coaches, the assistants. And Mm -hmm. I would tell you that Bobby Babich at linebackers coach, and I've said this on the radio a lot this week, so I want to bring it here. I think he's just done a phenomenal job. Think about Terrell Bernard and the, the, the season he's having as the starting middle linebacker after losing Tremaine Edmonds. I would argue Terrell Bernard's been better in this year than any one season Tremaine had. Maybe not last year. Tremaine was really good last year. But Terrell mm-hmm. Bernard is in his, se- in his first year starting as good as any season really Tremaine Edmonds has ever had. And Matt, I can make an argument that Tyrell Dodson is maybe the most improved player on this roster from the time that he had to start playing until yeah. now especially in pass coverage where he was really a liability and that hasn't been the case and I just want to throw it out there that Bobby Babich has done a great job you think about this guy he coached safeties I
0: didn't know it's crazy
1: they had two all pros and mm-hmm. employer that was it when he was coaching mm-hmm. them like the only two that made it one year and they had a really good team he goes to linebackers after his dad retires and right away Matt Milano becomes an all pro his first year there Tremaine Edmonds has his best season and now look what he's doing but I just think it speaks volumes to the job the assistants have done.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I think that going into the season, probably linebackers was the biggest concern for a lot of people, because, and rightfully so. I mean, you were going from Tremaine Edmonds, a guy who was a pro bowler, a guy who got paid a ton of money having his best season, to virtually unknown I mean, we were talking in the summer about it potentially being like Balin Spector's job or AJ Klein's job. Right. And look at what has happened. Terrell Bernard stepped into that role once he got healthy. And for me now, linebacker is going to be a position of strength for the next several seasons as you have Matt Milano and Terrell Bernard playing next to each other. When they did for those first five weeks of the season, it was scary how good they looked as a unit. And then Tyrell Dodson's another one of those guys who Tyrell Dodson came in and he did not just, like, struggle. He was not very good. But as the season has gone on, he has went from not very good to, oh, wow, this guy can play. Like, I wonder if this guy ends up latching on somewhere or if he just stays around as, like, your next man up when ultimately (laughs) they do get healthy. But, yeah, I think both of them, Terrell Bernard has shattered expectations, and Tyrell Dodson has been a very pleasant surprise.
1: I would also tell you that a lot of this has happened since the addition of Russell Douglas, right? I think Russell Douglas has had a ripple effect for what he's been able to do on one side of the field and Mm -hmm. really help take away um, some teams, you know, best options. Not that he travels all the time, but it just seems like he's right there helping out and doing a great job. And that's, I think, made everybody better. I think it's made the pass rush a little better. It's made the linebackers better. It's made Christian Benford better. I think Christian Benford's playing the best football of his career right now as well.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. I actually shout out to Carl Jones from ROC in Rochester. We were chatting before the game a little bit, but he broke down a play on the Christian Benford interception, and he showed the two different versions of the play and how in the first quarter or second quarter, I forgot what it was, they had CeeDee Lamb in the wide receiver, like three position, like he was basically lining up in the slot, and he was the target on the play and he led to a big gain and a first down and Benford recognized that they tried to do that later in the game and basically broke off of his coverage and found a space and Dak threw the ball right to him for like the easiest interception ever. So Christian Benford, talented player, but also smart player who has been another one of those guys that it's like you would have always wanted Kyer Elam to just be a knockout home run pick, right? Like that's a cost-controlled contract. It is a big time asset that you used on him. But if Christian Bedford ultimately ends up becoming the legitimate cornerback two on this team, then I think that probably makes the whiff on Elam, or what now seems like a whiff on Elam, a lot easier of a pill to swallow. It makes you wonder also, too. What is the future of Tredavious White? Because I do not know the answer to that. And that's obviously a conversation to be had more for the offseason. But Russell Douglas is under contract for next season. He might get an extension the way he has played because he has looked so good. And I don't know how you take Christian Benford off of the field. And are you really keeping Tredavious White around if he's going to have another 24 or excuse me, another 12 month rehab? like he did the last time he had the injury to come back and miss the first month or month and a half of the season. Actually, I I don't know. I guess it all depends on Tredavious white because that guy looked so good to start the season. But when he came back from the injury last time around, it took him the rest of the year to once again, start. I know, but I'm just saying like talking about season ending injuries here.
1: Like, yeah, but you're, yeah, but a knee and an ACL, an ACL and an Achilles are two totally different injuries.
0: Yeah, but they're both like well, I mean Aaron Rodgers is kind of throwing a wrench in all of this, but they're both usually right around a year. That's the that's the
1: normal expectation. Yeah, look, I, I, I've i heard this question before, and I, I get why people ask it. I, I understand. I, I don't think there's much there. I don't think you're moving on from Tradavius White. I think he's still – guy's not even 30 years old yet. Russell Douglas is actually over the age of 30 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Tradavius White is 28 years old, and yeah. he works really hard. I think he's still going to be fine. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having high-level players that can be backups. You don't have to just move on from somebody because somebody else can be a, a quality mm-hmm. starter. Right, I, I think well, we jump to that where too quickly. We jump, oh, move a position, move on from him. There's also a lot of financial considerations. You move on from Tre'Davious White, that contract, there's money you got to eat. So I, I think Tre'Davious White is here. I think he's probably the starter. You probably, I don't know what you do with Christian, but you figure it out. You just figure it out. You have good players, and not everybody I mean, can a, play.
0: I mean, his dead cap drops from 26 million dollars this year to 10 million dollars next year. That's so still a lot of
1: money, and I'd rather have of- him on the team than do that.
0: I guess it depends what you think of everybody else you're not obviously you're not extending rosswell douglas then right
1: i don't know I, I, like i said i i just think we get in the space where you can only have one or the other or you got why you, it's okay well, to have good because, players or backups
0: because they don't have the luxury or the wiggle room to have a lot of these luxuries that we are used to them having like you want to keep leonard floyd you're going to have to let go of somebody. You want to keep Daquan Jones? like You want to sign him again? You're, you're going to have to do something. You want I to bring Gab- back Gabe Davis? Micah Hyde? like They have a lot of big decisions to make. So I don't know. They're, they're, somebody is going – they're going to move on from somebody that will surprise yeah. people. Yeah. They're going to have Probably. to because they just physic- – they cannot keep at- – with every restructure and void year and every little workaround that they can possibly do, it will still not be enough.
1: I agree, but I would use that same sentiment the other way and say they don't have a luxury of having a ten million dollar cap hit on Tre'Davious White that he's not here. Yeah, it's probably right. It's probably. You know, I right. mean that, that. so. So to me, I mean, all this stuff has to be figured out months down the road. I think mm-hmm. the bottom line is we both agree they have some pretty good players in that secondary right now, right? And if, Rasul if. Douglas is a really you know big important part of that. But, but I'm glad you, you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned this group because we should say that. Kyrie Elam has like a week left before they have to make a decision on him. And Justin Shorter has two weeks left before they have to make a decision on him or a little bit more than that, whatever it is. But it's coming up and their window is still open for practicing. But if they don't come back, either one of them, they're done for the rest of the year. And I wonder what that looks like, Matt. I don't know. Are they going to activate Kyrie Elam at some point? Because you got to do it soon. If that's the case, I think I believe I'm right on my math here. To have until the middle of next week after Christmas to make mm-hmm. that decision on Kyrie or else he's done for the rest of the year. Is
0: there an easy corresponding move that you could make to get him back onto the roster? Cause I can't
1: immediately. I think there might be one and that might be Jordan Phillips on IR.
0: OK, yeah, that's probably right. That's probably right. If the Jordan Phillips one turns into something that, yeah, that probably makes sense. Because the last time we had this conversation, we were like, well, what could you do? Well, you could try and get Ty Johnson to your practice squad. Or I, I don't know if Ty Johnson's make it, he's been effective. Yeah. I know you have said you still think that he could probably get to the practice squad, but I don't know if I'm willing to risk that. I think Ty Johnson has become like legitimately their second best running back option and should out-snap and outplay Latavius Murray.
1: Especially because you look around, look what happened with um, Mitchell, the running back for Baltimore. Maybe Baltimore's Mm -hmm. looking for somebody, right? You release a guy like Johnson, maybe that's the case. But then what happens with Leonard Fournette? We get this question every week. I get it every week. I'll ask you, what do you think happens with Leonard Fournette? Does he get a shot? When does that happen if it does happen?
0: I think that he should get a shot, and I think that it should be in place of Latavius Murray. I think that Latavius Murray started the year – been impressed, but his since kind of, I don't even want to say kind of, has cooled off. He really hasn't been a huge difference maker in this team. They trust him in pass protection, which is important, obviously, but I think Leonard Fournette brings you a little bit more. And if you're looking for somebody who can be like your short yardage, almost Damian Harris type replacement, I think the idea of three guys as, you know, Fournette and then Johnson and then Cook, I mean, you can just call up for net anyway. Like you don't have to get rid of Latavius Murray and just That's have right. four guys active. So yeah. I think that he'll play at some capacity. Maybe it happens even this week. I don't know. I don't think though, that would be something that they try and roll out into, you know, the last, like a must win game, right? Well, they're all must win at this point, but <coughs> I would think that it's something that you want to try and figure out now, as opposed to later.
1: And and you also have the option, by the way, they've done this before. You could elevate him, and then he actually is inactive. But he would still get a game check. That's a reward for him. He doesn't have to play the game. You could elevate him, and then just make him inactive. He gets a game check, an actual, you know, game check for being on the active roster instead of the practice squad, and that would be like a reward for. Hey, we know you've been trying here. We just don't have a spot, but we're gonna we're gonna elevate you. We're gonna pay you. You're just gonna stay inactive for the game. It would take care of one of the elevations. You get three of them, but look, after this week and starting this week, there's only three left. So really the rest of the year, they could elevate them every week and including playoffs. An important note for everybody, operation purposes. Once you get to the playoffs, Matt, you could still only elevate two players, but there's no Mm -hmm. more unlimited elevate. And there's now there's unlimited elevations. So like Josh Norman suddenly becomes like he has elevations left for the rest of the year once the playoffs come. Or Andy Isabella, it doesn't matter how many times you elevated somebody. Mm -hmm. You could do Leonard Fournette now for the rest of the season all through the Super Bowl if they were to make it. Because he's got three left. And then unlimited in the playoffs.
0: Weren't they doing that last year with Cole Beasley and John Brown?
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. I think I was they had say. like four weeks left. They had to play with one of them. One they had
0: a, like one of them could yeah. play and one of them couldn't. And they kind of yeah. alternated back and forth. And then they were both, yeah, in the playoffs. So yeah, I think that Fournette's really? eventually going to get on the field. I think it could even happen this week. I think that the way your running game looked against the Cowboys on Sunday, the Chargers they have to do a better job against the run than the Cowboys did because they didn't stop the run at all. But I would think the bills are trying to, you know, once again, kind of establish the line of scrimmage and play a controlled, smart game against opponent that they are, you know, very heavily favored against an opponent that just got punched in the mouth pretty bad. But that being said, you expect that they play with a lot of extra juice and motivation given the coaching change, yeah. the general manager change, what they just gave up against the Raiders. Like they'll play better than that.
1: I agree with that. The Bills should beat Easton Stick, assuming he's the quarterback. I mean, they did sign Will Greer, but the Bills should beat Easton Stick. And if they don't beat Easton Stick, I'll say what you said before. If they don't can't win without, you know, having Jordan Phillips on the field. I mean, if you don't mm-hmm. beat Easton Stick, you know, you're not playing playoff quality football anyway. And they, they put themselves um, in a position where they yeah. don't have any wiggle room and have to win games like this.
0: Yeah, they also, for what it's worth, like offensively, listen to these last four games that they've played. Uh, they scored 10 points against the Chargers. Ravens, yeah. The Chargers. 10 points against the Ravens. Six points against the Patriots. Seven points against the Chargers. And 21 no. points against the Raiders. Who
1: was the set? You said char- against the Chargers.
0: Oh, uh, sorry. They scored ten against the Ravens, six against the Patriots, seven against the Broncos. My there bad. And they scored twenty-one against the Raiders. They lost that game twenty-one to sixty-three. And we saw what the Bills did to the Raiders when they played
1: them earlier in the season. And so. most of that was garbage time anyway. When they were already That's in the what I mean. like, yeah, we don't care.
0: It makes you wonder, it's a little bit too early in the week, and because we're recording this pretty early in the day, and they're still out on the West Coast, have we heard anything about Keenan Allen as of late? No, or Joey Bosa, who's eligible Actually, to IR this week. Keenan Allen not practicing today.
1: That's okay. as of 11 minutes ago. Thank you. Well, that's, a, that's good. And right there, breaking news here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast. All uh-huh. right. You mentioned it, uh, the rest of the league. Let's take a look around the NFL schedule and what we have to watch out for and what Bills fans need to root for this weekend.